Hi, and welcome to another episode on A Quick Dose of CE, MLI's podcast for healthcare professionals. I'm Carrie Stevenson, and on today's episode, I will be interviewing Dr. Christine Bespina, a board-certified thoracic oncologist that specializes in lung cancer, including non-small cell lung cancer, small cell lung cancer, and neuroendocrine carcinomas of the lung at the University of Chicago Medical Center. In this podcast, Dr. Besfina will discuss practical applications of immunotherapy and the latest clinical evidence coming from the pivotal Poseidon trial on dual checkpoint blockade therapies. I'm excited that you have taken the time to join us as we continue to move the needle to educate the growing field of healthcare professionals to better patient outcomes, especially for patients with metastatic non-small cell lung cancer. If you wish to participate in this activity for credit, visit www.mlieducation.org forward slash a quick dose. You're listening to a quick dose of CE, MLI's podcast series for healthcare professionals. We will be joined by leading experts to discuss current issues that are facing the practice of medicine, blending objectivity and consensus into highly personal decisions, celebrating the uniqueness of our patients. Let's get the conversation started. Hello and welcome to MLI's podcast. I'm Carrie Stevenson. I'll be your host for today. And on today's episode, we will be discussing the role of dual checkpoint blockade for patients with metastatic non-small cell lung cancer. And to discuss this, we have our distinguished guest, Dr. Christine Vespina, a thoracic oncologist from the University of Chicago, here with us today to discuss this therapy in practice. So welcome, Dr. Vespina. It's so nice to have you. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Carrie. So, Christina, you've recently had a success story in which a patient with stage four non-small cell lung cancer now has no evidence of disease after participating in a clinical trial, which included dual checkpoint blockades. Now, is this dual immunotherapy approach changing patients' perspectives on their possible outcomes of metastatic lung cancer? Great question, Carrie. We've seen some really remarkable patient outcomes, including the story that I shared with you of a young 48-year-old gentleman who has a young daughter. These are patients who do not have targetable mutations where anything that you can potentially add that's going to improve outcomes is to be desired. So to answer your question, absolutely, the option to have additional immunotherapy and to improve long-term overall survival, help patients live longer, and to remain with disease control for a prolonged period of time is very encouraging to patients and is what we're all trying to accomplish. That's wonderful, that increase in arsenal so that we can treat this. It's filling a gap that we truly need. Now, There are several regimens, including agents that target PD-1, CTLA-4 that are available. One which was most recently approved, trimalumumab um, plus dervalumab. What impresses you the most about the data from the pivotal trials, especially that Poseidon trial of these different combinations? Absolutely. So prior to this recent Poseidon release, we had Ipinevo combinations. And so we had Checkmate 227, which is a combination of ipilimumab and nivolumab. And then we had Checkmate 9LA, which again is Ipinevo plus two cycles of chemotherapy. 
The difference in what we're seeing with the Poseidon data is two things. Patients on the Poseidon trial are receiving more chemotherapy than they were with the Checkmate 9LA regimen. So in the Checkmate 9LA, patients received only two cycles of chemo, while on Poseidon, patients are receiving up to four cycles of chemo. There are some patients that providers may wish to give a bit more chemotherapy because of inherent disease characteristics. And here with Poseidon, that allows us to offer additional chemotherapy as a part of this quad regimen. The other difference, and to me the one that's I think more important, is that the CTLA-4 inhibitor is given in a limited quantity. So on both Checkmate 227 and 9LA, the ipilimumab continues throughout the duration of therapy. The CTLA-4 inhibitor is where a lot of the toxicity comes from. And what Poseidon is trying to do by changing up the treatment algorithm a bit is to give a little bit less CTLA-4 inhibition, thereby reducing the toxicity associated with it. So patients only get five doses of tremolimumab, which is the CTLA-4 inhibitor. They got four with the chemotherapy and one additional cycle after completion of chemotherapy. And we saw a pretty significant decrease in the rate of significant toxicity with this addition of CTLA-4 when we compare it to the other dual checkpoint blockade trials. So treatment-related adverse events that are grade three or four with the quad combo, we're actually very similar to chemotherapy plus just volumab alone, 15.5% versus 14%. So the thinking here is, again, we're going to minimize the toxicity of the CTLA-4 while maximizing the benefit by adjusting the number of doses given. Very, very interesting. Now, when we're talking about some of these adverse events, what role did your team play in managing immune-related adverse events with dual checkpoint blockade? We're very fortunate here to have an immune-related adverse event team. I know I'm spoiled, (laughs) but essentially we've created a group of physicians, all of whom have a clinical interest in these adverse events related to immunotherapy, so that if somebody's having a GI toxicity, I've got my go-to gastroenterologist who can help me get a colonoscopy if necessary and help me start appropriate medication. We've got a pulmonologist who's on call. We've got a rheumatologist who's really spearheading a lot of these things. And so having a multidisciplinary team to help you manage these side effects, I found to be incredibly helpful. It also makes dual checkpoint blockade less scary when you know that there is a team available to you to help manage these toxicities. Excellent. So what we've seen also is that sometimes patients have this hesitation when it comes to doing clinical trials. So for physicians who um, want to encourage patients with metastatic non-small cell lung cancer to consider a clinical trial as their best therapeutic option, what are the strategies that you recommend to kind of bolster this conversation? Absolutely. So this is actually a personal interest of mine, which is how do you talk to patients about clinical trials and how do you help them to understand what exactly that means and what are the risks and benefits? Um, I recently had a long conversation with one of my patients about this because when I first met her, she was very resistant to participating in a clinical trial, said exactly, I will never be a guinea pig. I've been with this patient now for over a year and a half. And after two 
different lines of therapy, there came a time where a clinical trial really was her best option. And by that point, she was actually really enthusiastic about participating. When I talked with her recently about what gave her that change in heart, she said that it was really trust in her physician over time, that I and the rest of my team had really her best interest at heart. I think that we were able to get her to trial, which she did very well on, for two reasons. I think the first was that we started talking about trials from day one. So she'd heard about them. They'd been a part of the conversation. And she knew at some point it may come back around. I think the second part was just that long-term relationship between oncologist and patient and how that evolved over time. I think that's wonderful. So just having that information that it could be a possibility really lent well to her eventual trust in you um, as her physician, but also just trust in the process itself to give her another therapeutic option to try. Absolutely. So again, empowering her from day one that she would always have multiple options, including clinical trials, and when and if she ever became ready for them, at that time we'd address it. Awesome. Now you said something very interesting. What we've heard is this kind of stigma about being a guinea pig in clinical trials. And for patients who are historically underserved in these clinical trials, does the conversation change? And if it does, how are you, with the context of some of those historical events, how do you bridge that gap for them? Absolutely. So I practice at University of Chicago. We're located in the south side of Chicago. And a huge part of our practice is exactly as you said, um, patients who have been historically underserved. And part of what's so exciting about the location is that we're able to offer top-notch medicine to communities where that did not previously become a possibility. But it always does become a part of the conversation where there may be a lack of trust in either providers or in research and what that means. And so it's something that I do try to start from day one with my patients because every drug that we have available at some point was under research and clinical trials. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what trials are. The number one misunderstanding that my patients often will bring to the clinic is that all trials have a placebo. So education around the fact that there are many clinical trials that do not have a placebo, education around the fact that even if it is a placebo-controlled trial, you're still often getting at least standard of care plus potentially a study drug. So it's a lot of time and a lot of investment in educating patients so that even if at the end of the day they decide not to do a trial, it was an informed decision that they felt like they had the power to make. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for moving the needle, closing those gaps. We really do appreciate your insight. And I think that really wraps it up. We really want to thank you for sharing with us your clinical insights. We're hoping that as you continue in your practice, that we're seeing some really great things coming down the pipeline. And we look forward to having another discussion with you later on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. Take care. You do the same. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Quick Dose of CE, MLI's podcast series for healthcare professionals. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. You can also subscribe at www.mlieducation.org. 
forward slash a quick dose to be notified when new episodes are released and even provide your own suggestions for future episodes. We'll see you next time.